I'd give you a drink, a warm cup of tea with lemon and mint, a confetti cannon, roses from the garden, my favorite sweatshirt, A bed to lay in, homemade bread, and a hand to hold. I'd give you my full attention. I'd give you my phone and say, put your number in. I'd give you the melody line, a standing ovation, and a sense of security. I'd give you anything and everything if it made you believe that you were enough. I'd give you anything and everything if it made you believe that you were enough. I'd give you anything and everything if it made you believe that you were enough. So our reading from the Hebrew Bible is Exodus 17, 1 through, se uh, 1 through 7, and uh, Stephen will be reading that. 1 to 7. From the wilderness sin, the whole congregation of the Israelites journeyed by stages, as the Lord commanded. They camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to drink. The people quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. Moses said to them, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? But the people thirsted there for water, and the people complained against Moses and said, Why did you bring us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and livestock with thirst? So Moses cried out to the Lord, What shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. The Lord said to Moses, Go on ahead of the people and take some of the elders of Israel with you. Take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile and go. I will be standing there in front of you on the rock at Horeb. Strike the rock and water will come out of it so that the people may drink. Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. He called the place Massa and Meribah because the Israelites quarreled and tested the Lord saying, is the Lord among us or not? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
The gospel passage comes from John 4, 5 through 42. Again, be thankful we're not a tradition that stands for gospel readings. It's a long one. So he came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tried out and tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? And Jews did not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us the well, and with his sons and his flocks drank from it? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come back. The woman answered him, I I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeks such as these to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. Just then, his disciples came. They were astonished that he was speaking with a woman, but no one said, what do you want? Why are you speaking with her? Then the woman left the water and went back to the city. She said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I have ever done. 
He cannot be the Messiah, can he? They left the city and were on their way to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Surely no one has brought him something to eat. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to complete his work. Do you not say, Four months more, then comes the harvest. But I tell you, look around and see how the fruits are ripe for harvesting. The reaper is already receiving wages and is gathering fruit for eternal life so that the sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from that city believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I have ever done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, It is no longer because of what we because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is truly the Savior of the world. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Will you join with me in prayer? O Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. There is a Christian practice of offering blessings to those who ask for one. Uh, I recall attending the Cathedral of St. Louis, uh, King of France in New Orleans um, on the Sunday following Southern Decadence. Southern Decadence is a massive gay and lesbian party that lasts six days over Labor Day weekend. So the cathedral was filled with bears and twinks flannel-clad lesbians, bisexuals of all sorts, mixed in along with cisgender, heterosexual presenting families. The homily from the Archbishop that Sunday was on love and acceptance, and I felt the spirit in that place, encouraging me to get a blessing from His Excellency the Archbishop. Now, I went out there and he wanted to give me communion. I had my arms crossed, which if you ever go to a and visit a Catholic church, and um, you're not Catholic, so cross your arms so they know not to give you communion. Um, well, he wanted to give me communion. <laughs> I shook my head, <laughs> presented my arms a little higher, um, and I because I wanted to respect his traditions. Uh, and so only accepted the blessing. But that was enough for me. Sometimes accepting a blessing is enough. Sometimes we need to ask for something so that we can have a deeper connection with those we're with at the time. Earlier this week, I was having 
a conversation with a dear friend who's a therapist, and she mentioned that there are times when she uses a model um, to help explain something to a patient. It's a physical sort of model, right? And what she, uh, what she does, however, is explain to the patient that using the model is for her own benefit. Um, the outcome is that the patient is more likely to accept the model as something that they can use and use it for their, for their benefit. Um, and gives the patient the choice. Uh, there are times when we ask for help from others, not for what we can get from that person, but so that we can open dialogue and reach much more deeply, finding a way to create a relationship with that person. More personally, this week, I had a bit of car trouble. Uh, admittedly, I could have taken the car to a shop, and it's possible that the issue could have been resolved uh, more quickly, or I might have had to wait in, in line and been a very big, long wait sort of deal. Um, but instead, I asked to, um, I, I chose to ask, rather, a new friend who has done some amazing work for the church and members of the church in the past. Uh, and in this way, we were able to address not only the issues of the car, but I was able to create a deeper relationship with our friend. Uh, more over one of our members who was with me when the uh, issue first cropped up was able to learn more about our friend as well. Um, so I think, I think that was a good thing. Um, there are times when asking, will you give me a drink? Or will you help me with my car? Or what, and will you let me use this model? Or help of any sort um, is a way of building a deeper relationship. In the scripture for this morning, Jesus comes to a Samaritan woman to the well of Jacob and asks a Samaritan woman for some water. Now, this is not as uh, non-offensive as it might seem. Uh, certainly not to our modern reader, but to people who heard, first heard this story, uh, they would have understood just how challenging this was. First, Jesus, a Judean man, is coming to a Samaritan woman to ask for water at Jacob's well. The conflict between Judeans and Samaritans was not simply religious about where you worship, uh, but rather uh, deeply cultural and a matter even of class. The Judeans were descended from those who had been part of the Babylonian captivity, those who had been drug off to Babylon um, and then were released back to Israel. Those who were taken were the most important, the, the most powerful, the leaders of Israel, uh, the leaders of what was at one point a united people. The Samaritans, on the other hand, were poorer folk um, who spread a bit more, um, you know, it got a little bit more comfortable in the area uh, while the wealthy people were gone. It should not be ignored, however, that 
regardless of the differences and disparity between the classes and cultures, Jesus is asking for a drink of water at a well. Men were not supposed to ask women for water at a well. It was like a man asking a woman to marry him. It's as intimate as Mimi asking Roger if he'll light her candle, for those who are familiar with the movie Rent, um, play uh, Rent and, and all that. Um, this well is not any ordinary sort of well either. It is Jacob's well. Perhaps where Jacob met Rachel, his wife. Jesus is modeling a radical form of relationship building and offering hope for something beyond the separations that have traditionally divided these two people. I'm reminded of the story of another people who found a radical way of being in relationship. That radical people are Portsmouth Union Church, a congregation that was at 1.2 and has become one from very different traditions, yet seeing similarities and a desire to ministry together, becoming truly one people, continuing to honor the traditions of both the United Methodists and the disciples. This congregation is a living example of what it means and what it looks like to choose a different, more radical way. I don't have to tell you your own story. Most of you know it, and there are better people to tell it who are present if you're new. What I do wonder about is how we can explore continuing that story and telling new ones. In what ways can we model radical and new ways of being in relationship in this place? How can we accept water from others that builds up the kingdom of God, and what ways can we offer that water? Now, I think it's important that the story of Jesus and the Samaritan woman and the story of Jesus and Nicodemus are, in a manner, paired together. In last week's scripture, Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night. In today's scripture, it's Jesus seeking out the Samaritan woman in the middle of the day. There are scholars who make a really big to-do about the woman getting water in the middle of the day. But honestly, I don't think it has anything to do with an attractive woman trying to avoid people, but rather as a contrast to Nicodemus. To me, it says that we should be open to entertaining people of all sorts of wealth and class, but we should also, also actively seek to be in ministerial, and that's all of us. We're all uh, a, priesthood or a priesthood of all believers. So ministerial relationship with all people, but especially seeking out those on the margins. Jesus tells disciples that he doesn't want food, but instead that he has food they don't know about. The Samaritan woman, though, seems to get what Jesus is talking about. In fact, my advisor for my MDiv said that she was the only person that Jesus truly addressed as an equal. In a world like that, 
where there was an entire people who had been on the rough end of just about everything for so many years. Can you imagine a people like that? And can you imagine a people like that being offered a radical welcome, not by Jesus inviting them to come to him, but by Jesus seeking out those people? Who are the people we need to be seeking out? Who are the people we need to invite ourselves to and ask for that drink of water? I think a lot of those people are outside of the church, but I think that many are in it as well. I believe it was Rabbi Mordecai Kaplan who said something along the lines of, there's one stream, but many wells. So regardless of what brings you here today, whether we share the same well or not, I'd like to invite you to stick around for a wider conversation about that and other things during our lunch and lunch today. If, um, and if you feel that um, PUC is a safe place to ask your questions, to strive after the sacred, and to be in community with, uh, then I'd like to ask you to uh, talk with me after service about joining PUC. Amen.